just a quick hello and um, to let you people know that honestly when we travel we're not on our own our church sends us we come under the banner of um, Tyron and Nicole and uh, NCMI but um, in addition to that we have a full intercession prayer uh, um, team that prays for us everywhere we go so for this weekend when we come we have people praying much before we come and the whole time we are here, we have people praying for us from different nations in the world, which means it covers a lot of time zones. That's cool. And so um, just know that we never come on our own. More, most importantly, we come with the Lord. Amazing. Cool. You've, how are you doing, Ken? I just want to encourage you as well. Uh, Ken has been involved in churches that I've been in part of for maybe 20 years. Close to 15 years, I should say. And um, he's been a blessing in many churches all over the globe. So I'm excited. Uh, if you're at the back and you want to move up and rub shoulders with people, please do so. It's going to be a fun night. Ken. Well, good evening, everybody. I appreciate you coming out tonight. Uh, you must be tired of my voice by now, but um, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. And I just, again, want to just thank the leaders for the privilege of being here, it really is. Uh, we don't take it lightly in any form or any way. While they're busy sorting out the sound, and um, yeah, God is good. Thank you, worship team. All the worship teams this weekend, you've done a great job. You have some very gifted musicians, you really have. How many, unfortunately I couldn't see, so how many of you honestly believe God ministered to you somehow? this weekend, touched you, spoke to you, healed you, that's wonderful news, thank you Father, thank you Father, and I would encourage you, don't let that wash through you, let it take time to sink in you and do the work in the reason why it came in the first place, so I do want to encourage you, but tonight I want to talk a little bit about a subject that's very misunderstood in the body of Christ, unfortunately, um, a subject that is desperately needed, a subject that um, I just don't want to, I want to give you something as well. So when we leave here in the weeks and the months and the years to come, you can understand it and you can put your faith out for the more of God. And the subject is called the anointing of God. The anointing of God. It's very misunderstood, unfortunately. And uh, the anointing can be very intoxicating. Very intoxicating. Because people can believe they are the anointing, and they are not. The anointing is the, the smearing of the super upon the natural. Very basic. It's the smearing of the super the supernatural upon the natural, upon a natural person. And it has impact. Nothing happens without the presence or the anointing of God. It's an impossibility. Right through the Old Testament, we see shadows and types. And so they, even if you go read in Exodus, God instructed Moses how to put together the anointing oil. Exodus chapter 30 and instruction, it had to be this and this and this, and that oil was sacred. And that oil was used to be put on the priests. And on every single thing that was used in the tabernacle of God, had to, that oil had to be put upon it. But before the oil could be put on it, the blood had to be put on it. 
The Spirit of God will only go where the blood has been. I'll say that again. The Spirit of God will only go where the blood has been, the blood of Christ. Because the blood cleanses. So it's very important to understand that. But we cannot build our life on the anointing of God. We build our life on the Word of God. But we desperately need the anointing. We are designed for the sole purpose of carrying the image of God. The presence of God. The greatest expression of the presence of God in Scripture is shown when He inhabits something He designed. Like the tabernacle and the temple. He filled it with His presence. But now, He lives in you and He lives in me. And we are designed to carry the presence of God. And it is not a formula, it's a relationship, like that man said. It's a relationship. Everything comes out of the relationship. And Jesus modeled for us what it meant to carry the presence of God. It's an incredible thing that the capacity of the nature of man can receive God into his being. You and I can receive God into our being. And the marvelous capacity of the nature of man to reveal God through the being. And God will always manifest himself in two places, where he's worshipped in spirit and truth, and where he's continually honored, revered, and wanted. When John the Baptist came on the scene, he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and power. Those two are divine truths. They are like a coin. You need both sides for the value of the coin. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and power. And so even the disciples, when they were born again, in John chapter 20, when Jesus, after he died and resurrected, and he came, they would locked the doors, and I read the passage this morning, and he appeared, and he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And they got born again, there and then. That's when they came alive. That's when they became children of God. Because up until that time, they were working under an Old, Old Testament dispensation. But God had enabled them and showed them things of what the kingdom would be like. And they begin to experience something of that. But he said, wait. Wait, guys. Wait. Don't go anywhere yet. Wait. Wait. Until you receive power from on high. Wait. And so they waited. Then Jesus spoke to them in the book of John. You could go read it. Verses chapter 14, 15, 16, and part of 17 about the coming of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit will be Jesus to them. They won't see him. And so he gives us a wonderful picture. So we see the fingerprints of the Holy Spirit. He's like water. He's like oil. He's like wind. He's like fire. And we begin to recognize his activity and his work. How many of you know of a lady called Catherine Kuhlman, who's now passed away? She was an amazing lady, a very eccentric lady, but an amazing lady. And when she preached, she would often just stand up on stage and begin to talk about whatever. The dinner party she went to and the Christmas party she went to or whatever the case is. And then she would stop and say, he's here. 
He's here. She had such a close affinity with the presence of God. She could recognize immediately when the presence of God came. And she would often weep and weep because she said people were rejecting his presence. And so we have to understand that when we get born again, folk, you get the Spirit of God inside of you. The day you got born again, the Holy Spirit was to put in you. The Bible says you was guaranteeing what's to come. The Holy Spirit breathed in you. My darling wife, won't you come here, please? I can, anyway, I can describe this. I'm glad she's here. So when you got born again, remember when God created Adam and Eve? He took the dust and he put it together, and then he went like this. Excuse to kiss my wife. Okay. <laughs> He breathed into him. He breathed into Adam and became a living being. He had God inside of him. And then we know the story. They sinned. They were deceived. And then Jesus came to rectify all that. And so when he comes on the scene, he says, he breathed into them. <sighs> Receive the Holy Spirit, John 20, 20. It's the same word used as in Genesis. I'm breathing who I am into you. That's what he's saying. And that's what happens when you get born again. So you have the Holy Spirit in you. But he said to those people, wait, because you need power to come upon you. You have this Holy Spirit in you who will conform you to my image, who will work within you, who will lead you and guide you, will adjust you. But in order to do what you've called you to do, you need an anointing. You need the Holy Spirit to be upon you, not just in you. So the Holy Spirit in you never leaves you. But the Holy Spirit upon you comes and goes, depending on what we're doing with our life. Hello? You with me? It's very key to understand that. So that's why you can have the Holy Spirit upon you, and then you can have the Holy Spirit upon you again. So in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And then in Acts chapter 4, the Holy Spirit fell upon the same people. Because it comes from above a pond. And because of lifestyles, because of the pressures of life, because of unbiblical reactions we have, because of rebellion or grief or unforgiveness or sin or grumblings or wrong motives, the Holy Spirit, in a sense, lifts off us. But He doesn't leave us. He's still within us. But when he lifts off us, it's like we, we're not empowered to do what he's called us to do. The anointing is to enable us to do what he's called us to do. That's all it is. So it's very simply this. So I'm talking to you. but now there's power in my voice. That's what the anointing does. That's all it is. And he anoints you for different reasons and different tasks. So turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, please. The Gospel of Luke. The anointing is not a formula. Please understand that. The Gospel of Luke. If you go to Luke chapter 4. 
after Jesus was baptized in water and he came up out of the water and the devil led him into the desert. And in verse 14 it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in the synagogues, etc., etc. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up on the Sabbath day. He went to the synagogues as was his custom. He stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, is on me, because he has anointed me to do what? To preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of the sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Here is Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High God, that was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary, so he always had the Holy Spirit in him right from when he was a baby. But yeah, he gets anointed from on high with the Holy Spirit. And only then does he go and do what his father called him to do, not before. That's why we need the anointing, just like Jesus did. Jesus only did what he did. Folk, we had, this was the truth that I came to understand that helped me profusely. Jesus only did what he did because he was rightly related to his father and he had the anointing in his life. How can he say to you and say to me, you will do what I've been doing and even greater things than these you will do if he had something different that we cannot have? That's not fair. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So we need the anointing to come upon our lives to do what he's called us to do. But you have to find out why he's anointed you. Trust me, he hasn't anointed me to do worship. He hasn't. I can deceive myself and think and get up there and try and hit the drums or play the, the piano or the, the guitar, whatever the case, and you guys will just walk out of here because it'll sound like a big noise. He hasn't anointed me to do that, so I'm not going to try to do that. I love worship. I love music. The only thing I can play on the piano is do a deer with one finger. That's all. And there's a difference when a person that has a gifting to play the piano, and I love listening to gifted pianists. I really do. I love classical music. But there's a difference between a guy that's gifted to play the piano and a guy that when he plays the person, a man, a woman, plays the piano and the presence of God comes, that's the anointing. That's the anointing. All of a sudden it draws you. All of a sudden you become aware of something happening. You with me? So our slide's going to go up. Thank you, Andy, I didn't... On Resurrection Sunday, that was the resurrected Christ. Okay, after he died and come alive, in John 20, 20, I've explained that scripture. It says he, it was the inbreathed spirit. He breathed into him, and the result was life. Zoe life entered into me and into you. It's eternal life, and it's manifested in authority. That's what I spoke about this morning. You have authority because of who you are, a child of God. And you have eternal life in you. You're not going to eternal life. You have eternal life in you already. Hallelujah. Amen. Then Pentecost Sunday 
is different. Pentecost Sunday when Christ has ascended into heaven and the Bible said when he ascended into heaven, then the Father will send the gift that he promised. It's a gift of the Father. The Holy Spirit come upon him as a gift. It's not earned. It's a gift. The anointing is a gift. The calling is a gift that will come upon you. It's the outpoured spirit. You can go read Acts 2, and it happened in Acts 8, and it happened in Acts 10. And the result is equipping. It empowers you to do what you need to do. It gives you an ability to do. There's a difference between authority and power. Authority is you get the right to do something. Power gives you the ability to do it. And it equips you. It's a supernatural enabling manifested in power. Power to live your life. Power to do what he's called you to do. Power that can be manifested in different ways. And it's not for the preacher up here, folk. And it's not for the musicians. It's for business people. It's for every born-again Christian. You have an anointing. You just got to find out what that anointing is. You really have an anointing. And so what does the anointing do? It breaks the yoke. It breaks anything off your life that hinders you or binds you or holds you back. That's what the anointing does. It comes to set you free from fear, insecurity, bitterness, grief, hurt, sickness, disease, uh, habits, unforgiveness. The anointing comes upon you and breaks it off your life. That's what it does. The anointing brings freedom and healing. The anointing brings good news to the poor. Where people have a poverty mindset or a poverty mentality, the anointing comes and says, no, there's more of God. There's more for you. There's more for you. That's what the anointing does. The anointing will build up the broken heart and bind the brokenhearted. We go through some tough times in life. Life comes at us like a freight train sometimes, people. Things happen. Some not pleasant things happen. And our hearts get broken inside. And the anointing will come and heal your heart. The anointing comes to proclaim freedom for people that are bound by demonic stuff. The anointing comes to do that. The anointing is the favor of God. That's what it does. It draws and it attracts people. It attracts. It's like a rose. And you go forth to smell it. It's a fragrance that draws you. That's why you can never manipulate people. They're going to be drawn by the anointing. The anointing helps teach us. It informs us. It's the anointing when you read in your Bible and something comes alive. It goes, wow, and you say, whoa. That's the anointing that's done that. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. You with me? That's wonderful news. We desperately need the anointing. The anointing will help you in your weakness. Really will. will compensate for your, in, your, your idiosyncrasies. And I have a number of them, trust me. When you like certain things a certain way, you know what I mean by that. Not necessarily bad. And our funny ways, I call them our funny ways. See, my wife is going like that. She knows our funny ways. Not wrong ways, just funny ways. We all have them. Okay. The anointing brings joy. We had three or four prophetic guys come through our life very early on in a Christian walk, and one didn't know what the other one had said, and every single one of them, bar one, said to Michelle, 
People call you Michelle. I call you Joy. The Lord says, I call you Joy. And she's a very joyful person. And I really saw it when her mother passed away. She was very close to her mother. And she read a book, The Fullness of Joy, by Charles Spurgeon, when her mother passed away. And I saw God do a work in her, in her time of grief, that brought joy to her life, despite her mother being passed. And she, she was very close to her mother. Mother was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful lady, a wonderful Christian who prayed for us often. And I saw what joy did. And the joy of the Lord is our strength, the Bible says. Somebody said it's, more, it's better for a, a Christian to get drunk than have no joy in them. I don't know who said that, I can't remember. Because it's joy, people. Jesus said, I give you joy. <laughs> So my wife's just shaking it. I don't know if somebody said that. I can't wonder the old church fathers. <laughs> Joy will give you supernatural wisdom. I see it in my wife. We can be sitting and talking, and all of a sudden she'll say something. I think, now why didn't I say that? It's so simple, but it's profound. She has that in her life. And so people often phone her about things. They don't phone me, they phone her. Particularly when it comes to life and kids and animals even. She has wisdom. It's unbelievable wisdom. It's an anointing on her life. It's an anointing on her life. Go to me, Luke chapter 5, if you can, please. Luke chapter 5, let's go to verse 17. One day as he was teaching the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judah and Jerusalem, they were sitting there, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Isn't that interesting? Yes, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, recognizing that there was in the atmosphere the power of the Lord to heal the sick. And yet Jesus healed, always healed the sick. You see, there's a difference between God is everywhere and when he manifests his presence. And when he manifests his presence, something begins to happen. And so some of the reactions we see where people cry or fall or whatever the case is, that's not the anointing, that's just the reaction to the presence of God and what the anointing is doing. You do, people don't have to shake or fall. But some people do, and that's fine, there's nothing wrong with it. But never go by the manifestation to determine what God's doing. Amen. We need the anointing in our lives. I need the anointing of my life to do what God's called me to do. And I know the way it happens if you want to grow in the anointing, you have to spend time with him. The anointing comes through intimacy. That's how it comes. You've got to talk to him. You've got to spend time with him. 
Because I've found that when the anointing comes upon your life, and if you don't spend time with him, you can still work from under that anointing, but it'll begin to wane. And then I've found, I'm just being honest, then you try in the flesh. You try and make something happen, and it leaves a sour taste in people's mouths. And that's not nice. That's not pleasant at all. Because we try so hard because we really desire and want. But that's the flesh. And the flesh gives birth to flesh. The spirit gives birth to spirit. And so you've got to learn how the presence of God works in your life and through your life. You have to learn that. I can give you some guidelines, but you've got to learn how he talks to you, how he communicates to you. You've got to learn to recognize when he's beginning to do stuff because he'll go ahead and make a way for you. And it helps to learn to recognize that. I remember when I was an early Christian and I was watching somebody minister and then they would say, and there was a group of people probably about this size and you would say, oh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And I'd look at the person and I'd say, what is he talking about? They look exactly the same to me. And for a while, I used to watch him very carefully. And he would say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And I'd look at the person and say, nah, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> and then one day I saw it. One day I saw it. And it just helps you. Paul, often the Bible talks about where Paul went somewhere and as he was preaching, he looked at someone and he realized they had faith to do something. How did he see that? Through the anointing. We desperately need the anointing, folk. The disciples, after they were born again, had no fruit in their lives. They actually still ran away and hid from the people. But in Acts chapter 2, when the anointing fell upon them, all of a sudden Peter gets up and he preaches. 3,000 people got saved. More than were under the ministry of Jesus. 3,000 people. That's the anointing. But please, please don't think that we're the anointing because we are not. <laughs> it's a gift from our gracious Father that is upon our lives. That's why I say it's intoxicating. The anointing is meant to glorify God and empower people to do what they do. That's what the anointing is meant to do. And so even in the Old Testament, whenever a king got raised up, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon David to anoint him king. Come upon Saul to anoint him king. If you read the book of Judges, whenever they needed to do something, they went and sought the Lord. God says he raised up somebody, and you go read it. The Spirit of the Lord came upon that person. That's what it says. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and then leave. Come and then leave. Today, the Holy Spirit's, yeah, right inside you. Hallelujah. And then he brings his anointing upon you to do what he's called you to do and be who he's called you to be. If Jesus needed the anointing, we need the anointing. 
but I encourage you, don't go after the anointing for your namesake. Go after the anointing for his namesake. It requires hunger. It requires thirst. Hunger is the biggest factor. Hunger. When you're hungry, what do you do? You go open the fridge to get something to eat. And often a time, I'll give you a clue, often a time when, you, when you're struggling with the Lord and you feel oh, things are not right, you'll start to get hungry. Sometimes the physical hunger is to show you that your spirit is hungry. Where you eat and then you think, but why do I want to go back and get more food? Because he's drawing you aside. And the more you can learn to listen to him and his gentle nudges in your life, the more the anointing will begin to come upon your life. So you're watching sport. Nothing wrong in watching sport. I love sport. I'm a sports crazy person. But when he draws me aside and says, Ken, I need you to go spend some time with me, then you've got to switch it off and go spend time with him. That helps facilitate what's coming down the line. Are you with me? Folk, the anointing makes you tired. I don't feel tired now, but I felt tired two hours ago. I'm just being brutally honest. Now I feel alive because I can feel his presence on me. And when I leave here and we go home, I'm so wired inside. My body is done and I'm so wired inside. But next day, I'm tired. Because it drains out of you. It drains you. It has impact on the body. That's why many of these great generals of God died at an early age, 60, 65, because their body couldn't take it. This physical body can't take it. Hello? And you can feel he's in the house. He's in the house. He's here. The anointing of God is here. How many of you are aware of it? Yeah, it's wonderful. The more you get aware of it, the better. And it's just to say, all right, what do you want to do, Lord? What do you want to do? That lady in the pink top there, sorry, I can't see. The pink is a lady with a blue top and a lady with a pink top. I can't see because of the light. The anointing is on you right now, young lady. You might not be aware of it, but it is. Did you come for prayer today sometime? No? Okay. I just can't see because of the light. But the anointing is upon you. If you're aware of his presence right now, his manifest presence, I just want you to stand. That's all. If you're not aware, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means he's wanting to do something, maybe, with some of you. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord. We acknowledge you, Father.
Thank you. That's it. Thank you. And as we give him time, he will increase. Thank you. Thank you.